application of the sovereignty of God will cause you to say and hear things. And all of us in here, that's every single person in here, has either said or heard this. Well, God won't put on us more than we can bear. You know, well, I, 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 you know, it's always, you know, it's never when you get a whole bunch of cash that you say that. It's, you ever notice it's always when something's bad, really tragic and bad going on, you say, well, God, see, we automatically relate anything bad, tough, and testing, and trial, that's got, got to be God, even though the Bible clearly says that he doesn't test us with evil. He can't be tested, and he doesn't test us with evil. That's what the Bible says. And so, but we, we'll say, well, you know, God won't put on me, as though God is putting things on us to hurt us, to expose something, I don't even know what the logic is behind that, but just, you know, but God, God's putting, he's hammering me now, you know that, I had a crash, I heard this, I heard this, somebody said, we had a terrible crash this past weekend, God really got my attention, I'm thinking, God got your attention, I mean, weren't you the one that ran through the stoplight, I mean, wasn't, you know, did God take, did Jesus take the wheel, you know, (laughs) hey, that could be a song, There is a song that says God is in control, and ultimately God is in control because he's God. But he's not in control if if, if it means that we're puppets or if it means that we're like uh, chess pieces on a board and he moves everything. That's not our relationship with God. And so what happens is when tough things happen, we don't know why. You know, why is a terrible question sometimes when the whole thing the wheels come off the whole thing and you wonder why is this happening well you don't know why so it must be god and and that's a that's a that's a really bad double-minded unstable way of thinking because if you're having tragedy right now and it's god that's doing it what's to prevent the next tragedy and the next tragedy man maybe god just wants to wipe out your whole family and burn your house down i mean what you know so this is not a message of looking back in regret and going, oh my gosh, so you're saying these tragedies are my fault? That ain't what I'm saying at all. But when you say it's not God's fault, that doesn't mean you're pointing the finger and saying it's somebody else's fault. Amen. Tough stuff has happened in all, all of our lives that we don't understand. And I'm telling you that the big mistake is to say God did it. Don't blame God for something that you don't understand. Amen? Especially if you don't blame God when you get that big influx of cash. Amen? You know, these, these phrases, like we've all said, well, you never really know, God's sovereign, you never really know what God's going to do. That's baloney. Remember the little kid with the fishing rod, B-O-L-O-G-N-A? That's what that is. Is that how you spell it? Why is there a G in baloney anyway? <laughs> you never know what God's going to do. Listen to me carefully. You can know exactly what God's going to do. God is going to do every single thing exactly what he said he would do. God's not a man that he should lie. And even if our circumstance, circumstances don't line up with what we think God said, I'm going to tell you, put your circumstances aside and just trust God's word. Because God is the unchanging, perfect one. Amen. So, so when we talk, we're going to talk about who's in control, and, and in particular, the, the correct application of the sovereignty of God, because God is sovereign, and we do trust him for everything. Amen? 
He's our life and the length of our days. He's our God. I mean, in him we live and move and have our being. And he is sovereign and he is ultimately in control. But in his sovereignness, if that's a word, and controlity, <laughs> he said some things about us. Now, the word sovereign is, I looked up the definition, superlative in quality, excellent, of the most exalted kind, supreme, having undisputed ascendancy, possessing extreme power, the example of extreme excellence, and then the last part of it is the one with the highest authority. So if that's the definition of sovereign, which it is, then would you say that God is sovereign? Heck yeah. I mean, that's just describing God right there. He doesn't have a boss. God's the top of the heap. And we're right there with him, which is a whole other subject. But when you think of God being high and lifted up, exalted, the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Ancient of days, the, I mean, the, the bright and morning star, if you think about God being the pinnacle of everything and supreme in that word, don't you love that word superlative? That's a cool word right there. Sounds like a real good diamond, doesn't it? Superlative. And so, and so if you think about him, you can't really, you don't really want to think about him as off in the distance somewhere being that. It would really be more accurate to think of him being that right here. He's all these things in us. The fullness of God in us. He said, I'll come and live within you. I'll tabernacle in you. You'll be my God. You'll be my, I'll be your God. You'll be my people. That's what he said. Greater is he, remember last week, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And so we think about this great God, and it becomes almost unbearable to think that this splendid, awesome, superlative God lives on the inside of us. But that's who we are. That's why we're a peculiar people. Amen? Amen. A chosen generation. We're called forth to show, the, called to show forth the praises of God. We can praise God. We're made in his likeness, in his image. And the Bible says when we see him, we'll be like him. And so we have the ability to communicate with him. And we have the ability to use his words in our life and begin a process of not setting our lives on fire, but setting our lives to joy and fulfillment and salvation, healed, delivered, prospered, blessed, and set apart. Control means to exercise restraining or directing influence over, to regulate, to rule over, to have power over, to guide as in the use of a tool. And when we say God is in control, it's not so much that definition right there. Because, like I said earlier, God is not moving you around like chess pieces on a board. You, the, the, the steps of a righteous man are ordered, but just because they're ordered doesn't mean he's forcing you to stand in them. You can do, and I don't even have to tell you this, because you know, we know this. You do whatever you want to do. Have you ever noticed that? We do. We can and do whatever we want to do. It's just that when we find out about the goodness of God, our want to sort of changes a little bit sometimes. Amen? What we want to do changes a little bit. And so, so God is sovereign. God is in control, ultimately in control. You know, I've heard parents say this. It's a big, big mistake. Parents of young kids will say, well, you know what? I've just turned them over to the Lord. I can't do anything with them. That, that's, that, that's not a Bible principle right there. You, that, that is, you turn them over to the devil and raise crazy people 
that we'll all have to deal with. No, you don't turn your kids over to God. I mean, you, well, let me say this. You don't turn your kids over to God and take your hands off and say, I'm going on vacation from these crazy rascals here. No, you, you uh, pray for the wisdom of God. You surround them with grace and faith and God's unconditional love, but you also discipline them, discipline them and, and cause them. You raise them. You raise them in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. Amen? Train them up like they're supposed to go. Well, I'm just, I'm just going to turn them over to God. You'll turn them over to the enemy. It's just true. And like I said, we got to deal with them. We can't go to CVS without watching them crawl up the Lifesaver display because you turned them over to God. And they're amazing. You know, they're amazing. Everybody's kids are amazing. And I'm thinking, that one crawling up the Lifesaver display ain't amazing to me. He's got good climbing skills, but I wouldn't call that an amazing. <laughs> you ever notice everybody's kids are amazing? Them little darlings sure are. Amen. <laughs> Another believer, praise God. So the other question is, when does, then if, if all of these things are true, these, some circumstances don't line up, then when does believing the word stop? Does anybody know the answer to that? Never. How will we know the answers to all of life's questions? How will we get through a tough time? Um, it's only going to be through understanding, looking into and understanding the word of God. And the word never changes. Just because we don't believe something doesn't make it not true. In other words, if healing is yours and you're not experiencing healing and you don't even believe in healing, then that doesn't change the fact that by his stripes we're healed. That's still a biblical truth, a biblical reality. And, and even our experiences don't override the word. In fact, the word will override our experiences and cause us to go forward in new and great experiences. The word is the final authority even if you've heard from God. I've met a lot of people that have heard from God. And a lot of people that heard from God and one thing, and then a few weeks later, they, the thing they heard from God has changed. And that's unfortunate because in him is no changing at all. There's no, not even a shadow of turning. If, um, you know, if you've, if you, if you, I, I put it this way in my life, and I, I have a lot of confidence in God, and I've got more confidence in my ability to hear from God than I do in your ability to hear from God, which we all should. You should have more confidence in your ability to hear from God than, than, than in mine. Amen. Because you should know him. Do you know him? I mean, are you hanging out with him and talking to him? Do you have a real relationship with him? Are you all one, really? But I don't have as, nearly as much confidence in my ability to hear from God as I do in God himself. I've got a lot of confidence that even if I miss God, this is good news, even when I miss God, when I think I've heard from God, he's still with me and for me and not against me. He's still going to bless me and I'm still going to prosper. Um, this sort of thinking that happens brings to your life grace and peace. This, this understanding that no matter what happens, God is still sovereign, God is in control, God loves me, I don't have to be perfect, wraps me in his peace that passes all understanding. And I wasn't so concerned about peace when I was 21, but by the time I hit 51, it went way up on my priorities. And at 55, peace is way, way up there. Amen? 
Don't you enjoy peace in your life? And, and uh, you know, when you're young, chaos is a lot of fun, I guess. But I tell you what, I don't want any chaos in my life. I just want things to be peaceful. Amen. All the old people said amen. <laughs> and the young people go, what did he say? <laughs> I'm, not try, I'm not trying to run anybody off, praise God. We're talking about the sovereignty of God. That's no matter what age you are. He's sovereign and good and great and wonderful. Amen? Okay, so, so the word is the final authority. In Luke 16, it says, It's easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one jot or tittle of the word to fail. In Psalm 138, it says, God has magnified his word even above his name. And so in Hebrews 6, it says it's impossible for God to lie. So we, see these, so we see these exceeding great and precious promises all throughout the Word of God, and it turns out that these are unchanging, and they're backed by all of heaven. They're the truth. The, his Word is truth. Look at uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, which is in here somewhere. 2 Timothy chapter 3, in verse, let's read the last part of verse 15. It says, The Holy Scripture, which is able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And then it says, in verse 16, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, or is God-breathed, and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, for correction, instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. In 2 Corinthians 1.20, it says, all the, my pastor used to all this, he used to say this every Sunday, he'd say, all the promises of God are yes and amen, they're forever settled in heaven. He would put together first, uh, 2 Corinthians 1.20 and Psalm 119.89. All the promises of God are yes and amen, and they're forever settled in heaven. And I tell you, that's something good to just repeat in your life, isn't it? Amen? So we find out that the word trumps uh, common sense. It even trumps experience. And it overrides what seems right. Before we really get into the, to the um, meat and potatoes of looking at the sovereignty of God, I want to kind of lay this foundation, not just of the word of God, that is of the Bible with, with pages and print and things you can read, even though this is our window into the supernatural right here. So we look around and we see natural, and we look into here and we can actually see into heaven through this book right here. Amen. Did you know that? Did you ever think of it that way? You can find out, you know, you don't, there's nothing about you um, that makes me think you're righteous. Not as righteous as God. I mean, you might be a nice person or whatever, but I don't think of you as the... But I can find out in here that he who knew no sin was made to be sin for us, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. So now I conduct my life not as somebody who's seeking righteousness, but as somebody who is righteous. And I can only get that by looking into this revelation right here. This is a revelation of God. It reveals something to us that we can't see in the natural so, so the written word is incredibly important to connect with God and to contact with God. In fact, it's, it's so important we can't even, I mean, you can't even describe how important it is. 
But the level of effectiveness of the Word of God hits or happens in your life when you begin to make it a real reality in your heart, and then it comes out of your mouth. So then, instead of reading, by his stripes I'm healed, instead of reading, he meets my every need, I declare he meets my every need. And then at some point, which we're going to go, we're going to talk about this process of writing the word of God on your heart in the same way that Jesus did, but at some point, what's in you, scripturally, will, what's in you in abundance will come out. And so, you know, you are hammering up a picture for your wife and you miss and you hit your finger, then what's in you in abundance is getting ready to come out. Amen. You know, you get up and stub your toe. Oh, glory to God. Or something else. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's like, have you ever, I mean, not just when you stub your toe, but have you ever had something come out and you... And, it, and you, you can't even reel it back in. You know, you, it came out and you're going. <laughs> you can't unchew that gum. It's like trying to get toothpaste back in the tube. It, once it comes out, it's, that's it. That's it. Amen? And so the wise thing, and it's, and it's within just seconds. You know, less than a second. I mean, there it is out there. And so the, so the, the ideal plan would be to put something in your heart that you would be excited to have come out of your mouth amen you look at you look at somebody that you don't approve of and you begin to think some sort of a thought and you realize that you're out of alignment with what with God's view and opinion and so you begin to put in your heart what God would say about that situation and then you notice that that doesn't perturb you so much because you have God's way of looking at it now and you know, and you and you and you think about how many times God has overlooked the craziness in our lives. Look with me to at Proverbs four, and this is where we'll this is where we'll get started looking at this spoken word. And I just want to say that th this is this is a foundational thing that will absolutely change your life. And you'll see when we look at all these verses, if you're a person who says, I believe what the Bible says, then, you're, then after we look at all of these verses today that we're going to look at, there's no way that you're not going to begin a plan in your life of saying the things that God says. Amen? I know you might not be there yet. I might not be there yet, but I'm going to be out in the next 15 minutes. We're going to arrive at this thing in about 15 minutes from now. So Proverbs chapter 4 it says, my son, give attention to my words. Now, in the King James, it says, attend unto my words. Now, if you think about somebody coming over to your house or giving you a call, let's say you've got something that you've got to do. You told your wife you were going to hang those pictures up, remember? <laughs> and so your friend says, hey, come on, let's go out and have lunch. And you say, hey, I'd love to go have lunch, but I have something I need to attend to. I've got something that needs my attention. I, I'd love to go eat lunch. I'd love to go play golf. I'd love to go do whatever it is that you want to do and hang out with you and all that stuff, but I've got something I need to attend to. It's important. We see that same thing here. My son, attend to my words. In other words, make an appointment or make it a priority to get into the Word of God. 
Well, why? It says, incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from before your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. And so one of the things that we're going to be looking at throughout the Word of God is these verses will match up several other sets of verses that we're going to look at. And it's where God in His sovereignty begins to tell us to do things that can change the length of our days. And it can change the quality of our life. You know, there's just that one commandment that says, Honor your father and mother, first commandment with a promise, that you'll live long and it'll be well with you. That's just by honoring your mom and dad. Amen? So, so, to, so to say that, to say that God, you know, you could say God is sovereign and he's in control, and we've already established that, and that's true. But he doesn't necessarily determine the length of your life. That's something you do. You, wh- how can you say that? Well, because if you honor your father and mother, it's going to be long and good. Life is going to be long and good. Amen. We, we have something to say about it. The sovereign God had something, to, had something to say about this. And now we find out that we have something to say about it. Do you know people naturally know that they have something to say about the affairs of earth. It's an undeniable fact that we live in a universe that was created by words. Light be, and light was. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. God said, put the firmament. God said, the water. God said, fill the water, the creatures. God said, over and over and over, Genesis chapter 1, God said, and God said, we live in a universe created by words that God said. And we live on a planet that's governed and created by words. Words. And words are containers. And, and so you can say something that makes somebody experience something just with your words. And you can experience life. You know, I can change your, I don't know if it's physiology or, you know, I, 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 can, I can change what's going on in your body just by words. You say, well, that's, that's crazy. Say something embarrassing to somebody and watch them blush. Well, they don't have a blush button they hit in their pocket. That happened on its own. Or to say to somebody, and I'm looking over here now because I'm not looking at anybody in particular because I'm looking over here. Amen. And I say, that dress really makes you look fat. (laughs) Say something to a man's daughter, not even to him. Say something to a man's daughter while he's standing there, and you will increase his heartbeat. Kid, you're stupid. I tell you what, if I, I remember my, my neighbor one time said something, about, <laughs> said something about my kids one time, and I had to walk in the house to keep from stomping a mud hole in him right there in my front yard. He didn't mean anything by it, but it just kind of hit me wrong. You ever had that happen? So words, are, you know, now words can also carry faith and love. Words carry fear and love, and words can carry all sorts of stuff, but you cannot deny that words are incredibly important. You know, I could say to somebody very seriously, look, um, there's been a terrible accident. Your friend or something was hurt really badly, and they're in the hospital right now. And all of a sudden, all of your physiology, if that's right, it could be wrong, your, your stuff here 
with your heart would be beating, you'd be afraid, you'd go into the fight-flight mode and all of your um, digestive and everything that's going on would go to your legs and your arms and you'd be to get out and go to the hospital to save that person or to visit them or to see them or whatever or do whatever you could do. And, and then right before you get out the door, I say, I was just kidding. Now a whole nother thing happens. Now, now the preachers, you know, there's going to be a prison ministry. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be a hospital visitation permanent or something. But you see how, I mean, we live in a world of words. And words are incredibly, incredibly important. So he said, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For listen, they are life to those who find them and health. John chapter 6 and verse 63. Jesus said, it is the spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. Then he said this, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. They are spirit and they are life. Over a little bit to John chapter 14. I'm going somewhere with this. Everybody just hang in there. Is everybody still here? Okay. In John 14, 10, it says, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? And listen, and the words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me, he does the works. And then across the page again to John chapter 12, verse 49. Think about this. We see Jesus setting in practice the, the, the um, setting in practice the, the, the process of speaking the word of God. You know, you know at one place Jesus said to a tree, remember Jesus spoke to a tree? Here we are worshiping him, and he spoke to a tree. Think of it. He said, no one, no one will ever eat fruit of you again, however many words that, are, that is. But he spoke to that tree, and the tree withered and died. He didn't add any words to it to what the Father had said. He just spoke the words of the Father to that tree. Nobody's going to eat fruit of you again. And it died. Do you know that he said for us to speak to the mountain? He spoke to water. He spoke to storms. He spoke to a tree. He spoke to a fever. Have you spoke to a fever? Have you ever spoke to a fever? It's the best way to get it to go down. Amen. You can just about put your hand on them. Listen, I'm not making this up. You can just about put your hand on them and speak to the fever and say, fever, go away in the name of Jesus. I speak healing to this and normal temperature. And you can just about feel that thing go down right underneath your hand. You would, you're what, much better to do that, even if you're reaching for Motrin at the same time. Don't, don't substitute the Word of God with Motrin. I mean, I'm not saying don't, don't give them a pill or something like that. That's your business. But don't neglect this. Where God said, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover, Jesus spoke to, who was it? Was it Peter's mother-in-law and, and, uh, and, and the fever and all that stuff? Jesus would speak to some things, but when he spoke, he spoke the word of God. For I have not spoken, verse 49, on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me command what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as whatever I 
Whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. And this is a process, the details of which we're going to cover here for a little while. A very important process, and how you do this is going to affect your life. We're going to go to James, and we're going to talk about all these little things that built like, like a, little, a little fire, a little fire with a little kindling, and then it gets a bigger fire, and then we have a big fire, and it's set on fire and hell, and all of these things we'll see in James. But the process is saying about you and about your life what God says. Amen. Saying what God says. God has said in his sovereignty that words are very important, and Jesus said, I speak the words of my Father. Now, I want you to go to Romans chapter 10, um, this will be hard to do on the phone, so you can just trust me, and Deuteronomy 30 at the same time. Try that on your uh, Apple iPhone. <laughs> I've been waiting to do this. I know you probably can do it. So, in Deuteronomy chapter 30, in verse 11 through 14, For this commandment which I command you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, Who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, Who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that I may hear it and do it. Verse 14. But the word is very near you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. Now, if that sounds familiar, it's because of how many times we've read it over here in Romans chapter 10. And again, we're talking about using words to change your life, not outside of the sovereignty of God, but because the sovereign God has said to do these things. Romans 10 verse 6, listen to, this, listen to how similar these sound. The righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend to heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Amen. That if you'll confess, you know, confess is homologos. It means say the same thing as God says. Say the same thing. That's what confess means. If you'll say the same thing God says with your mouth, the Lord Jesus Christ is my Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you'll be saved. And saved is, is life-giving. It's not just go to heaven when you kick the bucket. Saved is right now. Blessed, healed, delivered, set apart, sanctified, set free and protected, both temporary and eternal is salvation. And that happens because of our words. If we don't get the words right, it doesn't matter what you believe about God. Amen? It, you, can, you can get set free as you can get set free, but if in the next thing you're, comes out of your mouth is death, sorrow, and destruction, it's going to fly away from you like a bird. This is not complicated or hard. It's just that we got to do it. We got to put at least as much belief in this word as we do in other things. Amen? I mean, just, just what we would do in a, you know, if, if, uh, you know if, if you agreed to mow my grass for $50 uh, if you agreed to mow my grass for $50 a week 
and we had an agreement on that, and you decided to start mowing it every two weeks or only, you know, you know, mowing it every month, then we could go to that agreement and say, hold on now, you said every week. Amen? we got to put at least as, and, and would be furious if the grass person didn't do it right but kept charging you. Man, you're supposed to be over here every week. What's wrong with you? Well, we need to have the same sort of fervency and the same seriousness about this right here. Our words are how we speak life. Our words are how we receive salvation. So in, in Deuteronomy 30 it says, now think of this, I call heaven and earth to witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life that both you and your kids, them darlings, the descendants will live. Amen? Now what we can see in this, everybody still here or am I losing you? So in this right here, in this verse right here, Deuteronomy 30 where he says, he says choose life. The unspoken truth is he's already chosen us. He said, I've chosen you, now you choose me. You see that right there? I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that it's your choice. I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, you choose life. I've already chose this for you. I've laid it out there, but I'm not going to choose your decision. I'm not going to make your decision for you. That's that goes beyond the sovereignty of God. And God says, that's not how I'm going to do it. You get a choice. Now, how will you choose? Well, it says here, you do it with your mouth. You do it with your words. Look at Proverbs 18.21. It says in Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And of course, that's talking about the words you form. And those who love it will eat of its fruit. Death and life is in the words that you speak. Now, here's the obstacle. We talked about it a little bit already. But your friends and your family and your coworkers and all your buddies and your neighbors, if you will go out to your car and you'll say, you know what, car, you have been a blessing to me. You always run. I'll get all 60,000 miles out of your tires, and I'll tell you, you'll crank every time I turn the key and take me where I want to go and bring me home safe. You are a fantastic car. I tell you what, I speak life to this car right here. This car has never failed me and will never fail me. You know what your neighbors say? Religious fanatic. He lost his mind. My brother said he healed a truck and a washing machine one time. <laughs> Sounds kind of crazy, doesn't it? Religious fanatic. But you go out to your car and you, and you, cur and you curse it like we do. That piece of junk. I'll never buy another Dodge again the rest of my life. What a, I'll tell you what, just a, man, I'll tell you what, a probably breakdown. It's a dead gum lemon. I'll tell you, this, this car has given me nothing but trouble. What a, what a lemon, what a piece of junk this car is. You know what your neighbor will do? I got one just like it at the house. <laughs> one of those daggone lemons. I'll tell you, it ain't worth two cents. A piece of junk. You're right about that. And then, and then go and tell them, and then go and tell them you're not on any prescriptions. And go ahead and tell them that, you, that you're healed, you know. What happened to your back the other day? Well, I'm healed. I hurt my back, but I'm healed now. In fact, the Bible says when Jesus was here, it says that he bore our sicknesses and carried our diseases, and by his stripes, I'm healed. Let me tell you, you start putting a little scripture out there, and they'll scatter like roaches and rats. <laughs> now, hopefully somebody will get into agreement with you. You'll find a Christian somewhere scattered in there. But, the, but now, I'll tell you what, if you say, you know what, I bet it's a tumor. 
I've had this before and it's been hurting steady. I never had a backache just like this. I bet it's a tumor. They won't say, no, that ain't no tumor, man. You just got a backache. Let's pray about it and get into agreement. <laughs> My uncle had one just like that. His back started hurting the same way. And when it hurt, it was about two weeks it hurt like that. He was dead in 30 days. All the way to dead. Laugh till I thought I'd die. Bible says, Mary heart doeth good like a medicine. It's medicine to your flesh. We say, I laugh till I thought I'd die. I tell you, you start talking like this, you'll stick out like a healed thumb. <laughs> you speak failure and the world will agree with you. You know what? And uh, let's go to James chapter 3 because, you know, in James it says, no man can tame the tongue. Did you know that? Well, you ever, take a, you ever take a scripture out of context? We're going to close here. We ain't got much longer. Just a few more minutes. We're going to run through James real quick. James chapter 3. Those words are containers of faith or fear. In fact, all of our words reflect what we have faith in, whether it's the promises of God or the lies of the enemy. And so, so we, can, we cannot really... Um, we can't, we can't really govern what we say in the natural, but when you got born again, if you remember, you added super to your natural. I mean, you're not just a, a regular person anymore. Is everybody still here? <laughs> I know this is all kind of wordy and whatnot. What's all this got to do with the sovereignty of God anyway? Well, what it has to do with is you have something to do with it. That's why we're going through all this stuff. Amen? Anyway, James chapter 3 in verse 1, my brethren, count, uh, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that you'll receive stricter judgment. If, if you want to be a kid's church teacher, don't let that scare you. The judgment you get's right here. It ain't when you get to heaven. You don't get judged harder when you get to heaven. That's we added when you get to heaven. Brethren, let not many of you be teachers, knowing that when you get to heaven, it'll be a stricter judgment. It don't say heaven there. You get judged right here. <laughs> and you just got to not care. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he's, perfect. he's a perfect man, able to also bridle the whole body. Now, here, here he's put out these words that there's a possibility that somebody might not stumble in word. And that person would be perfect, but not perfect. It's really the right word is mature. That person would be mature. Amen. Indeed, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. So the natural man puts a bit in the, in the mouth of a big and mighty horse. And through that bit, with some training, and even in the natural, even if he's not born again, amen? Go better if you're born again and speak to the horse like you speak to your car. And speak life to the horse. And good horse, this horse is not going to fling me off of here like a rag doll. <laughs> which is why I never get on horses. This is a little side note, but it'll only take a second. When I was a kid... They used to have these things that are totally ridiculous, and, I, and if any of you do this, then just forgive me. But when we were kids, they used to have a place you could go and rent a horse to ride it. You go and you pay 20 bucks, and you get on some poor animal that has no idea what you're talking about, has never met you before, and you get on him and scare the heck out of him, and, and unless he was, so they asked me, they, and, and you know, about half drunk most of the time, and everybody's out there on these horses, poor horses, so they asked me if I had experience riding, and I said no. And so they put me on a horse that wouldn't go anywhere. 
All he did was walk around this little lake. 20 bucks, walk around the lake. I'd kicking him and doing all that stuff you do, giddy up, saying everything I heard on TV. And he, nothing, nothing. You know, and I'm like, my friends are all out in the woods, man. They're out there, and I'm around the lake and back. So I'd come back around, and they'd swat him on the tail and go, head on out there, Silver, or whatever his name was. And he'd go right around the lake and come back. So I said, look, I want a better horse. And they said, well, do you have any riding experience? And I said, yeah, I've been around the lake twice. Yeah, I'm an experienced rider. Are you kidding? <laughs> so they put me on old Buck, and I'll tell you, you didn't have to say nothing to Buck. All you had to do was your rear end hit the saddle, and Buck was gone. Shoom. And he was, and he was a smart horse. Because what he was going to do was he was going to get me off of him immediately. Horses are really smart. And so I'm, no experience riding, just holding on for dear life. And here comes this branch that Buck knew about. He lived there. And he was taking me to that. He had probably knocked 50 people off of his back with this thing. And I saw that branch getting ready to decapitate me. And I leaned to one side, about 300. And when I did, the whole saddle slipped off. <laughs> And there I was under the tree. <laughs> Old Buck trotted around the creek, went right on back to the stable, you know, with his saddle underneath, you know, the little, the little stirrup things or whatever, the little foot things, whatever they are, <laughs> swinging underneath. It was a horrible. So I get back there, and of course, you know, I'm all dusty and everything, and, and I get back there, and they, and, and they say, oh, Oh, Buck threw you. I tell you, that's a heck of a... I was like, yeah, ha, 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 Buck threw me. And they were like, well, let's turn that saddle up. I said, nope. And I'm going to tell you what, that's 40 years ago. And I ain't getting on no horse unless I have no other transportation. I am not, no way getting on a horse. Just thought of that since we were talking about putting a horse, putting a, you know, the bit in their mouth. So in the natural, somebody who knows about horses and loves that horse and takes care of it and brushes it and feeds it and gives it a little piece of apple or whatever you give them, you know, I don't really like to get, anyway, around their mouth, but <laughs> that horse loves them and trusts them, and you get on that and go, and he goes, and you can tell him, all right, pick it up, Ranger, and he'll, you've seen people ride these horses. They know each other and trust each other. Well, in the, that's in the natural. I ain't got really nothing to do with God other than that God created horses for us, just like dogs and pigeons. They're created for us. You, you know, dogs are for us. I don't know about cats. I, I don't want to make any enemies here, but I, cats seem a little bit of the devil. But anyway, I, I, don't, I, do love, I did love Dave. He was such a good cat. He... He withdrew not too long ago, and he turned in his ninth life and went on to glory across the Rainbow Bridge. Did y'all get that card when you had your... They send you the, the Rainbow Bridge card. When you have your animal put to sleep, if you got a good vet, they send you the Rainbow Bridge. So what we decided to do was read the card. Well, I'm a big marshmallow. I can't even read the newspaper without crying. So I start reading the Rainbow Bridge card and make it about two sentences into it, and, and me and Sarah are just all to pieces. I said, we'll try it again later. <laughs> took us, what, Sarah? I don't know where Sarah is. Probably took us three or four days to read that card. We were reading two lines and then crying. Why do you do that to yourself? I don't know. So anyway, the Rainbow Bridge, praise God. Um, verse 4, look also at ships. Oh, man. We'll just go through this real quick, and then we're going to close, and we'll take it up next week. Look also at ships 
Although they are large and driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot des uh, decides. Even, um, even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And this is talking about this process, the subtle power of the tongue compared to kindling, you know, where um, it's the beginning of the fire. It's, it's the tongue says something, and then it gets written on the heart, and on it goes. Well, that same principle works if you're speaking the Word of God. The Word of God can catch hold and catch fire in your heart. Amen? And, it's, and it uh, defiles the whole body. It says, For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and creature of the sea has been tamed, and has been tamed by mankind. mankind. That's talking about nat the natural mankind. It says, but no man can tame the tongue. That's talking about you can't tame this thing by natural, the natural process. It comes by writing the word of God on your heart. It's the same thing that Jesus did. Jesus said, I only say this, the things I see my father say and hear my father say. And that's, he's our Lord and he's our master and we're his disciples. And so remember the, the, the student wants to know what the teacher knows, but the disciple wants to live the life that the master lived. And if we want to live a life of speaking to the mountain and telling the fever to go down and speaking to the storm and saying, peace, be still, and seeing a great calm come, then we have to speak the words of the master. Amen? And uh, I ran out of time. We'll look at this next week um, again and take it up, and then we'll go right into the sovereignty of God and understanding, but just take this away from you this week. What Jesus did was speak the words of the Father, and we should at least put a check on our mouths and on our lives to where when we hear, listen, this is the important closing part right here, so that when we hear ourselves saying something that's not in line with the Word of God, that we put a check on it, and we don't lie against the truth. But just, but just say about us what God says about us. Say about others and our situation what God says about it. And that's when it begins to come to pass. These words have horsepower when they're in your heart and they come out of your mouth. Amen? Bow your heads with me for just a minute. You know what? I feel like that was kind of rushed, but, you know, hey, it's, my, it's only my 21st year of preaching, so I'm just getting the hang of it. Um, I want to um, invite you, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, to do that now. Um, but I first want to remind you that after the service today, there'll be somebody up here to pray for you. If you need somebody to get into agreement with you in prayer, whether it's for healing, um, if you've got too much on your mind, if you have a need, if you need somebody who knows how to pray to pray with you and get into agreement with you, then um, just come up here right after the service, and they might have somebody there. Just sit down and wait. Don't leave here because you get impatient, and just wait and allow them to Allow them to pray over you. Um, you're here today and you never entered the family of God. That's just real simple. Um, wasn't simple for Jesus, but he made it easy for us. It's as simple as confessing with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God's raised him from the dead. If you're here today and you've never entered the family of God, I'm not going to call you forward or embarrass you in any way or do some kind of preacher trick where you raise your hand and then I get you to step out. I don't want to do any of that. I just want to be real before God right now and real before you and say, you know what? If this is something you're wondering about, if you want to be in a relationship with God through Jesus, Jesus is the one that makes you worthy to be in a relationship with him. And so every head's bowed and every eye's closed. If you're here today and you've never entered the family of God, now's the time to do that. Would you just look up at me? If that's you, quickly and raise your hand and put it right back down and we'll pray together a simple prayer. 
Anybody in here at all say, I don't know. I want to know for sure. Anybody? Just look up at me. Just wait a minute. And, um, and you just look up and we'll all, what we'll do is we'll all stand together and pray a simple prayer. I'm not going to call you forward or embarrass you. If that's something you've been thinking about in your life, you say, well, I, I need to know for sure. I want to know for sure. It's time for me to know that for sure. Look up at me quickly and raise your hand. Okay, gotcha. You can put your hand down. Anybody else? See, we're going to pray now. There's somebody else. Praise God. And so because of those two, we're going to pray now anyway. Amen. So what we're going to do is we're just going to stand and say a prayer together. But if you're here today and you say, I want to be in on that prayer. I want to know the Lord too, just like these people. <laughs> I want to tell you if that's a decision you've made, then, then uh, look up at me quickly and raise your hand. Anybody else? Anybody say, I'm just holding out? <laughs> stand up on your feet and let's pray this together. I'll pray out loud. You pray after me. Oh, God in heaven. I have sinned, and that's no surprise to you. Come to find out, you love me anyway. I confess with my mouth now, Jesus is my Lord. I believe in my heart now that God raised him from the dead. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. And save me now. I'll live for you forever. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Even to overflowing. In Jesus' name. Amen.